Good afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Susie Larson, and this is Live the Promise. And we are here to help you engage in a strong and active walk of faith. Really glad you tuned in. Well, I got a stat for you. Don't know if you knew this. I learned this and was kind of blown away. 40% of people in each church are part of blended families. 40% of the people in your church are part of a blended family. So who better to talk about this than Ron Deal? And he's part of family life. He's just an expert on blended families, on step parenting. He's going to be unpacking the six P's of step parenting. We'll get to him in just a moment. Just want to share a couple quick announcements. If you've not taken advantage of our Faith Radio app, I want you to, because do you know I think about 40,000 people have already? It is free. You can find it in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That allows you to live stream from anywhere, wherever you travel, and uh, you can catch podcasts after the fact as well. And we continue to add new markets to Faith Radio. We're so grateful. want to give a shout out to friends who are tuning in on our new signal in Bismarck, 89.1 FM. If you're brand new listening in on 89.1 FM, I want to know about it. Email me, let me know, and uh, give me your address if you don't mind. And I'm going to get some books off of our Faith Radio shelf and send you a note. This is our way of saying welcome to the family. So thankful to have you listening. All right, let me tell you about my guest. We'll get him on the show. Ron Deal is a licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed professional counselor who frequently appears in the national media. He's a popular conference speaker, and his video series, The Smart Step Family DVD, is used in communities, churches, and homes throughout the world. He's a member of the Step Family Expert Council for the National Step Family Resource Center. He's a busy guy. He and his wife, Nan, and their sons live in Arkansas. We're glad, glad blessed and glad. <laughs> Try saying that three times. Glad to have you back, Ron. Good to have you. Oh, thank you very much, Susie. It's always, always an honor to be on your program. We really appreciate so much of what you do, Ron. And you know this. You've been on enough times before. We love to start by talking scripture. And I'm just wondering if there's either a life first or just one you've been hanging around these days that you want to share with us. Oh, my goodness. Where do I start? Um, You know, Psalms talks about, uh, I believe David in Psalms 102, is it? 103 says, as he's preparing his heart to go to worship, I I, I find it fascinating what he says he needs to do. So this is a song of ascent. He is working his way toward, uh, you know, a time, a period of worship. And he does two things. Number one, he says that he um, lowers his eyes. In other words, he deals with his heart around pride, and he puts on humility. I mean, don't we all have to do that mm-hmm. when we're walking before the Lord? We, that, that's what keeps us humble is looking at who God is and recognizing that we are not even close to that. And so that's, that's the heart we should have. But then the second thing he says is, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a little child, I have calmed, like a weaned child, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Now, we all know a child that's not weaned can't calm itself without mother. But he says, I'm I'm taking a look at my heart, my ambition, all the things that are busy in my mind, and I am putting that aside. I am putting that to rest. I am breathing. I am calming myself. I am preparing my heart and my mind. To come before the Lord. And I think so many times in my life, not only in my spiritual walk with God, but in my relationships with others, if I could calm my soul, if I could quiet my anxiety, my fear, the things that are troubling me in life, and I can rest in God, then I will act better when it comes to being a husband. Mm-hmm. I, I will do a better job choosing how I respond to my children. I, I will be a better coworker. worker 
because I'm not letting those fears get the best of me. And I, I just, you know, that, that I'm going to have to get the exact. No, uh, that's fantastic. Mm. But it's three verses, you know, and those three verses just really get you centered. So I love that. Good. That's exactly why we asked the question. And friends, you can look it up and look for it yourself. But I think that's just fantastic. And you think about our, the idea of acknowledging our need before God is a true act of humility. And so often we rush past our need, and that's when we get into trouble. So that's fantastic. So you join us to talk about, and we're going to talk about a conference coming up for those who want some encouragement around the whole idea of blended families. We'll get to that in a moment. But you came with some wisdom on the six Ps of step parenting. So I want you to just jump right in. Number one is partner with a bio parent. Say more if you would. I will. Um, By the way, these six things go together. They flow together. You know, no one thing in life is going to answer everything. But if you want to be successful as a step parent, here's a plan for you. And the first thing is you've got to partner with the biological parent to your stepchildren. Now, on some level, that's got to sound like a no-brainer, like, duh, Ron, well, of course you got to do that. But the reason we have to start there is because bio parents need to be reminded that they hold uh, a significant amount of power as to whether or not a step-parent can even start doing what it is that they're trying to do. Think of it this way. If you've ever had your child come home from school and you got a note from the school or maybe you got a phone call or these days you get – some sort of text or digital uh, notification from the school, and they let you know that Johnny's been acting out. If you respond to the school or the teacher and say, you know what, my kid's a saint, you've got a problem, don't ever bother us with this again, and Johnny's aware of that, have you just disempowered the school system to do what they're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You bet you have. Mm-hmm. You know, you have just undercut their authority, their ability to manage the, the, the environment and your child in a learning climate. That's what biological parents do when they undercut the step parent, when they come in behind and undo the step parent, when they don't t- say to the children, look, you know, when I'm not here, you know, in a stepmom situation, she's in charge, or in a stepdad situation, he's going to be—he's in charge. If you disobey him, you're disobeying me. Um, that sort of expectation is is very important because it lays the groundwork. It communicates to the children. The biological parent is in agreement that the step parent can hold a place of authority in my life. Now, notice what I'm not saying is the bio parent does not say to their children, look, I want you to love this person with all your heart. Well, well, you can love them as in be decent, love them as in be kind, as in be respectful like you would to any other uh, adult in your world, but love them like your mom? No, that's a child's decision. And we'll come back to that with one of the other other Ps in this process. Uh, But on the front end, we're at least going to communicate this understanding that the step parent can act as an authority in your life. Partnering with the biological parent is what gives the step parent a shot at developing a relationship and, and even functioning in the home. And I would imagine if there was like a mutual divorce or a death of a spouse, it, it would be hard, but you could, it would seem more attainable. But I'm thinking of the person who's been uh, left for the the person at work, you know, or whatever, where this was infidelity, this was that yeah. spouse, the bio parent never wanted the divorce, is suddenly conveniently replaced by the step parent. 
I mean, there's so many hurdles you'd have to get over to go, I don't even want you replacing me. How, how do they sort through that? I mean, would, I just feel like, man, so much healing would need to happen first. Uh, yeah, and, and let's just be real clear. I mean, there's really two biological parents in a divorce situation. So um, when, I, when I'm talking about partnering, I'm talking about the step-parent and their spouse, the biological parent that they're married to. So let's say a dad and, and, his, um, and his first wife are divorced. If the dad has another marriage and he is now the stepmom who's now into the picture, the biological dad empowers her with his kids by saying to them, look, she's, she's I see she, what she you're saying. Okay. Yeah. She and I are a team. Now what you bring up is extraordinary. And, and if the biological mom who is in the other home and believe me, this is rare, but it has happened. And when it happens, it is a phenomenal gift to the children. If the biological mom also says to the children, Hey, look, your stepmother, and you're, you know, married to your dad in the other home. Uh, she's an authority in your life, and I expect you to be kind to her and courteous to her, like you would a teacher at school, like you would Mrs. Jones down the street, like you would Aunt Edna. Uh, you, you know, you be decent, and she's in charge when you're at her house. That is a huge gift to children because what it does is it takes them out of the middle of the games going on with the adults. It, it takes them; they're no longer a pawn. In the you know <laughs> um, Game of Thrones going on with, with the adults, a- a- and that just frees them up to get along, to like, to love, to explore relationships with, and to find a place for the stepmom in their heart. Again, I will say that is rare. Um, even on the surface, people hear it sometimes. They think, "Wow, does that ever happen?" Yeah, it does happen. And let me tell you, it's phenomenal when it happens. It does take a lot of grace and forgiveness and to, to work past whatever has occurred in the, uh, in the breakup between the biological mom and dad. You know, I would imagine when that happens, I was going to say what, what a gift for the kids. So as hard and painful is divorce and remarriage is for the children in that scenario, that would be the, the ultimate setup for them to at least heal and learn to thrive and function again, I would think, huh? Absolutely. Um, again, let me just give you a story to illustrate the importance of this. So just recently I was talking with a coworker who works with me at Family Life, and uh, um, this gentleman said, you know, when I was growing up, my, um, my biological dad left us, left my mom, left our family, basically walked out of my life. I never saw him again. My stepfather came into my life after a couple of years. And it was very interesting what this guy said. He said, my stepfather was very important to me, hugely significant. I loved him. I respected him. We, we spent time together. I loved being with him. I called him dad, and he is my dad for all practical purposes. And then he said, but I didn't respect him very much because my mom never let him discipline us or punish Whoa. us. Wow. And I... And I knew if she didn't respect him, I didn't have to either. Wow. Okay. See, there's no partnership in that scenario. And it was so clear to him as even as a child that he had one up on his stepfather. Now listen to that, right? When a child knows they've got one up on the stepfather. I I now like you, love you, and enjoy my time with you. But if you try to be an authority in my life, I can say forget you because mom says I don't have to. My goodness. That's So without this 
partnering is really, really significant. That's that's a good story to illustrate how important it is. Wow. See, this isn't just basic. This is really depth of wisdom. Partner with BioParent. When we come back, we'll talk about number two. The second P is pursue the heart of a stepchild and what that looks like. If you've got questions for Ron Deal, and you can even write in and just say, keep my name anonymous. Happy to do that. Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. And uh, we will be back in a minute. Really glad you tuned in today. I'm Susie Larson. This is of the Promise talking to Ron Deal of Family Life about blended families. In fact, we're talking about the six P's of step parenting. We talked about partnering with the bio parent. Hugely important what, what Ron had to say. So if you just tuned in, this is one you're going to want to go back and catch the podcast of the whole show. Second one, Ron, is pursue the heart of the stepchild. Say more if you would. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that we know about God that makes us all feel so good <laughs> is how much he loves and desires a relationship with us. You know, really the gospel at the heart of it is a message about a God who is been who has been pursuing us through history and time and through circumstance and through his word and through the work of the Holy Spirit in the world to capture my heart, to 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 find me and for me to find him and to have relationship. And when you really get that, you just kind of glow on the inside, don't you? I mean, mm-hmm. why? Because you feel desired. You feel wanted, and you realize the magnitude of that. When a step-parent communicates verbally and non-verbally in action to a stepchild, I really want to know you. I really like you. I really want a relationship with you. It, felt, it makes the child feel desired and wanted. I, I think step-parents who are successful have this um, you know, persistence. We're going to come back to that word in a minute but they persistently pursue the heart of the child through action, through deed, through time, through energy. Now they do it with wisdom. Okay. We're going to talk about that, but they, they keep the want going. Now the trick is the adults in the beginning of a blended family are highly motivated towards this. They wouldn't be getting married if they weren't, (laughs) they weren't motivated around building a family. Right. But kids can vary tremendously in terms of how much they uh, want a relationship with step siblings and, and a step parent and kids range anywhere on day one from, you know, low to high in terms of their level of motivation. So if a highly motivated step parent is pursuing a relationship with a low motivated step child, that's a frustrating situation. It's like, it's like any of us who have ever had a crush on somebody in seventh grade and you could tell they weren't interested in you, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that hurts. It's difficult. You're trying to ignite conversation and you're getting nowhere fast and it's awkward. And sometimes step parents run into that. And yet here's the thing. The people who make it don't let that sense of uh, that cold heart on the outside. They don't give up. They don't quit. They don't go, oh, this kid doesn't want a rejection. Forget this. I'm not trying. Uh, Oh, I gave it a good shot. I'm going to let it go. No. They they are stubborn in their pursuit of the child, just like God is mm-hmm. stubborn in his pursuit of us. 
Well, it's beautiful. I'd love for you to talk about some of the unrealistic expectations a step-parent might have that will just only result in hurt and disappointment. And as you're talking, I'm thinking at the get-go to make sure the motivation is, I want something for you more than I want something from you. Because you can say, I need you to like me. I need you to accept this new unit. I mean, you, kids can read that in a heartbeat, I would imagine. But speak to that if you yes. want. Yeah, they sure can. I, I think another misstep, and, and I really just described one of those unrealistic expectations for step parents, it's that the child's motivation will equal my motivation. And, and understandably so, uh, sometimes kids even uh, give you that sense during the dating years, you know, before leading up to the wedding, you're reading the child and they're open to you and, hey, fun and games, and they, they seem to be all smiles when you're around. Uh, but then a, a transition takes place that a lot of step parents underestimate. Like, so after the wedding, now we're all moving in together. Now we're, you know, living in one space and kids are having to share bedrooms with a step sibling. And we got some kids that are in all the time and some kids that are there every other weekend. And so there's just a lot of moving parts. And now the step parent is acting more like a parent. You know, before you were dating my mom or my dad and you were fun and games, but now you're walking into my bedroom telling me to turn out the lights, shut down my phone and go to sleep. That's a different aspect <laughs> that we, that's a bridge we've never crossed before. So I'm not motivated as you are to figure out this relate. I just want you to get out of my room. And so, you know, the expectation that the child's motivation to like, love, get along with and work all this out, um, Sometimes the reality is they're just not nearly as motivated towards building familyness as you are. And what I say to step parents is, again, don't let that throw you. Uh, it, it, sure, it's going to be awkward. Absolutely, it's frustrating. But just stay with it. Now, here's the thing. The, one of the wise elements here is not to um, push too hard. And if I can, that rolls us into the third P in our out of our six, and that's pace, P-A-C-E. You've got to pace with the child. If the child says, hey, I'll, you know, uh, I'll give you a little but not a lot, you take a little. If they say, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll laugh at your jokes, but I'm not going to open up and tell you my greatest fears or nightmares or you know, the, uh, about the boy I have a crush on at school, you take what you can get and you work with that and move forward. Step parents who don't pace um, are constantly frustrated with stepchildren and you know, sometimes even angry at them and because the child is not giving me more. Like, I want to be your best friend, but you're not even letting me in the door. Um, and so now I'm going to be harsh or critical or angry or frustrated with you as if that's going to help you open the door further. Mm. Well, of course it's not, right? So you've got to find a way to be okay with what the child gives you today, trusting that tomorrow and the next day and the next day, the door will open a little wider, a little wider, a little wider. You know, maybe this is a tad off topic, but I, d I think there's a connection here. But just having covered this on the show before, when a spouse has been unfaithful and then they come back and they want to rebuild the marriage, but they want to know with to the spouse, the other spouse, you know, when are you going to get over this? Or why, why do I why do I have to keep talking to you about this? And the spouse who's had the trust broken is like, because I'm not over this yet. I mean, I, I you blew up the bridge and we need to rebuild the bridge. I'm just not there yet. I would imagine with a stepchild, there's also a betrayal of trust. There's all kinds of loss. There's grief. I mean, there are things 
that they're sorting through beneath the surface that you can't even see. Yeah, you're exactly right. The principle is the same for uh, 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 partners who are trying to rebuild a relationship after betrayal. You know, the offending spouse has to pace with the spouse who has been hurt. They're trying to let you in, but they don't trust you very much. They trust you a little, like a two out of 10, but you want an eight out of 10. Well, you got to go with two, work with that, and don't get impatient with them. Likewise, step parents kind of have to pace with the stepchild and Again, it's a good observation. The step-parent may not have been the, quote, offending person uh, leading up to them being in a step-family, but for that child, there has been hurt and loss, and there has been disappointment perhaps, and sometimes it's about parents divorcing or the death of a parent for a child. It's just, I like you, but I don't know how to let you into that space that is held specifically for that parent who is not here. And it's really hard for kids. They have to figure out how to find another room in their heart to put the step parent in. If it feels like I'm replacing my biological parent with you, then they tend to, you know, push back against the step parent. And so it is a complicated process, psychologically, emotionally, working out their loyalties. Uh, And so step parents, again, that's why you have to pace with the child. Sometimes step-parents make this all about them. It's not. It's a lot about the child, their past, their history, and just the struggle they're having to fit it all into their life. Um, What you need to do is just keep pursuing relationship, take what you can get, trust that tomorrow will give you more. Yeah, and I would imagine even if you're not the offending party, your child, the stepchild is looking at you as saying, whether you were the one who initiated this uh, breakup or not, you're a new piece in this puzzle that I have to reckon yeah, you, with. You are a visual indicator yeah. of all the things that are not going the way I want them to in my life. And yeah. so you're the easy target. Yeah. You know, step parents are. They are easy targets. They hmm. get a lot of grief for stuff they didn't cause. Wow. Hard stuff. And that's why that takes great wisdom. And this is why Family Life produces or uh, provides such a great care through Ron Dio, Blended Families. So we've talked about partner with the bio parent, pursue the heart of the stepchild, pace yourself in relation to the stepchild. Next, this one kind of goes right over to the next one. Patience, take time to build a relationship with that stepchild. We'll talk about that and more and answer a question that just came in by email. Email if you've got a question, Susie at myfaithradio.com and we will be back in a minute. great song. Really glad you tuned in today. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise talking to Ron Deal of Family Life. We're covering the six P's of step parenting. I don't know if you knew this, but 40% of the people in your church are from blended families. Isn't that amazing? That's why this ministry is so important. We've talked about partnering with the bio parent, pursuing the heart of the stepchild, Pace yourself in relation to the stepchild. Now, before we get to point four, patience takes time to build relationships with the stepchild. Ron, if we could cover this email, this dear listener says, just wondering what advice Ron would have for me. I'm 40 years old. I'm a woman. My mom was mentally ill and abandoned me and divorced my dad and ultimately took her life uh, 10 years ago. 
My dad remarried when I was in college. My stepmom has wanted little to nothing to do with me. I even have begged her. It's so hurtful, and I've worked for years to get over it. Having no mother at all has left a giant hole in my life. I was hoping to have her fill it a little, but have only been met with rejection. What do you say? Well, I have run into this from time to time. I I will say on the outset, the vast majority of step-parents that I talk to are not like this. Mm. They are eagerly pursuing relationship with stepchildren. Um, But I have on occasion seen where a step-parent is uninterested in developing a relationship with the stepchildren. It it just pains my heart. And, you know, what I would say to her is, I'm sorry. Uh, You know, it's, it's not about you. I, I don't know what your stepmother's story is, but I guarantee you her inability to connect with, with you, her lack of desire, is not about you. It has something to do with her. And um, you know, there's an insecurity there. There's a, I, I don't know what the backstory is, but it's not a rejection of you. Um, she's just incapable of extending herself in that way. And it is a pain for you. And I'm sorry that that has been uh, the narrative of your life. And uh, I, I guess, you know, whether you continue to try or at least leave the door cracked open in case something should change in her life, you know, who knows what God would do in somebody's heart and mind. Maybe that would be an opportunity that would come to you eventually. Yeah. If that if that stepmom was listening right now, <laughs> what I would say is, wow, you've really missed an opportunity. And just for a minute, stop and think about your assignment. Uh, God brought you into this situation. There's an opportunity there to make a difference in the life of a child, now an adult, to be an influence, to be a friend, to be a mentor, and you can still do that. You know, there will be regret over the past, but please step into that place and and, and just see what the Lord brings. Mm-hmm. And boy, I also pray that God would bring you a spiritual mom that can love you and mentor you and maybe fill that that place too. Okay, so uh, number four, patience takes time to build a relationship with stepchild. So prior, previous to this, you're talking about pace, like don't have these unrealistic expectations on timelines of, of when you need to see this thing to come together. So talk about just the patience it takes to build the relationship. Yeah, so one of the things we like to talk about in helping blended families understand their journey is just what's typical, what is an average amount of time. So let me share with you a couple of stories to make the point, okay? So I was working with a guy one time, and he was a stepdad, and he said, Ron, I'm frustrated. I'm pursuing my stepdaughter. I've I've tried to build a relationship with her, but this girl just cold shoulder wouldn't give me the time of day. I pursued her interest. I said, okay, that's on target. He said, I found out what she likes, and I tried to engage in that with her. I said, great. He said, but she wouldn't let me in, so that got frustrating. He said, I tried to share things that are my interest that I think she might be interested in. Just nothing would work. He said, so I honestly, I just gave up. And I said, well, man, it just sounds like your heart's in the right place and you were doing the right things. How long did you work at this? And he said, Ron, I gave it my best for three months, and then I just gave up. And that's where my heart sank because I know uh, the average blended family journey as a family unit takes around five to seven years for them wow. to figure out what familyness looks like. All right. That's the whole family unit. And any one given relationship, you know, can take months, a couple of years, sometimes three or four years to figure out. And so the, the timeline has got to be a slow one. Patience is so important. Now, 
again, the reason this is hard is because step parents are big hearted for the most part. Uh, that one call or that email that you had is the exception. That's not common. Most step parents are so eager to build a relationship and get there fast that they have a hard time with it going slowly. But you have to be okay with that. You have to find a way to take that and take it as it comes. So here's the other story that I would give you just to show you uh, a, a better model. I have a good friend in, in Houston. Uh, a woman, Holly, and her husband, Mike, showed up at my step family conference in the year 2000. Okay, in the year 2000, they came to the event. They were getting married in a month. He had three daughters that were in their early teen years. The youngest was 13. I think the oldest was 16 or 17. And here Holly is about to become a stepmom. Okay. They took copious notes and set out on their journey together. Seven years later, I was back in Houston. They show up at another conference and I got to catch up. Say, hey, how are things going? She said, let me tell you, the first four years were awful. Year five, we turned a corner. All of a sudden, things got a little better, and he, she said, we just came out of our seventh anniversary, and we got ready to go on the anniversary, and the girls said, well, you know what? That's really our family anniversary, too, so can we go with you on this little getaway you guys were planning? And, and Holly and Mike looked at each other and said, absolutely. Like, this is a moment of celebration for us. And so they just went on what they called their family moon, all right? Wow. And, and if somebody reads the Smart Step Mom book that I wrote with Laura Petherbridge, that story is in there. Now, here's what's not in that in that book. I bumped into Holly about a year and a half ago, and she and her husband this time came to a conference and brought friends. They're leading a ministry in their church. They're paying it forward, and they're bringing other people to the message. And I sat down, and I said, all right, how's it going? She said, I got to tell you this. I just, you know, it was, it was January when I was talking with them, and she said, a month ago in, in December, I took my youngest stepdaughter, who is now 29 years old, so it's 16, 17 years later, uh, and we were shopping for Mike for Christmas, and she stopped me right outside the mall on the sidewalk just out of nowhere and said, you know, Holly, you're really my mom. Wow. You're more my mom than my biological mom has ever been. Can I call you mom? Oh, my. Now, Holly looking at me with big tears in her eyes. Okay, listen to the patience of this woman. Year one, yeah, I'm going in eager, we're excited. Turns out, wow, we have some real struggles. It's hard, three or four years. We turn a corner. Now things are clicking around year seven, really feeling good about things. But it's another 10 years beyond that before she heard the word mom. Patience, patience, patience. The more patient you are, the paradox is, the more likely you are to deepen that trust with that relationship to move forward with that child and for it to be a blessing for both of you. Boy, great story. And patience is the first attribute of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh -huh. And uh, wow. You know, are there, this is maybe kind of an odd question, but I just wonder about it. Are there things you can get away with with your own children that would never work for a stepchild? You know what I mean? We take so much for granted, oh, I think, when we're not in a absolutely. step family. Yeah, speak to that if you would. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> hey, you're a mom. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, wiping snot off your baby <laughs> is something moms, they don't even think about it. Right. I, I, I've done diapers. I've done all kinds of stuff. I've, I've been in ugly places and you and I both have done that. But hand me somebody else's child and I don't quite have the same stomach for that as with my own child. Likewise, kids will give grant forgiveness to a biological parent. Like when I mess up and I, and I say to my son, you know, I, I'm sorry, I messed up. Dad blew it. 
what do they do? They hug us. They take us back. They forgive us quickly. They will not do that with a step parent in the beginning because you don't get the benefit of the doubt. I don't know you well enough. I'm not sure I trust you enough to be able to do that. So it is a very different game. Another reason why this patience and pursuit of the child in the relationship, because they just don't view you like they view their other biological parent. That's a two-way street, by the way. You know, step parents don't have necessarily the same tolerance for children and their behavior as they would with their own biological child. So there's a lot of, of gaps there that need bridging. And again, another reason why have realistic expectations about it, pace with the child, and be patient in the process. Hmm. Before we hop to number five, I imagine how often the step-parent's own fears and hurts surface. And I would imagine it would take all kinds of self-restraint, not to take everything personally, not to speak out of that hurt, because in that situation, again, I would imagine in a in a um, non-blended family, so to speak, you, we speak out of our hurts, and then we rebuild, and we apologize. And But it mm-hmm. seems like things are so much more fragile and and so a volatile comment could do so much more damage. And so speak to the whole idea, even like giving ultimatums that you can't back up because you're speaking out of your hurt. Talk about that if you would. Oh, yeah, bite your lip. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Um, you can't take it back. It, fragile is the right word. Tentative is another word that I use. Even when it feels good and like it's growing, something could happen and it's, wow, one step forward, two steps back. Um, not Not that it doesn't constantly move forward. It does, but it just moves at a very slow pace sometimes. And so you do have to recognize um, that it's a tentativeness, uh, a fragile relationship. And so you have to be careful uh, about, you know, lashing out, saying something that you'll regret, taking things personally. Uh, One of the things I say to step parents is, you know, put on um, a a God-sized bulletproof vest. Mm, That's good. And let, let the bullets bounce. You know what I mean? The bullets still fire. You still get hit in the chest, but it does not penetrate. When your source of identity, for example, is coming from the Lord as opposed to coming from being able to win this child's heart. You know, that, you know let me tell you something. A lot of wicked stepmoms are just moms who have a big, eager heart to win this child's affections. And they're trying so hard that when they don't get it, then they become crazy. And, you know, as one woman said, then my eyes get big and the stuff comes out of my mouth that I would have never said to anybody else, but I'm so desperate for their affection. That's when they get quote unquote wicked. Just, I know this sounds strange, but lower those expectations. Don't try quite so hard. Let, when the child fires a bullet, let it bounce off of your bulletproof vest. Trust that over time, the affections will come, but you just can't force it today. Again, I would go back to that question. Is this something I want from them or want for them? Because I would imagine that motivator over and over again is what's going to get you into trouble. It's like, I need this from you when they're already kind of fractured inside from everything they've been dealing with. But I think when you want something for someone, I think patience might come a little bit easier. But okay, number five, persistence. Don't give up on your stepchild. And you gave a great example of that one in particular, Gal. But say more if you would. Yeah, so it's it's um, kind of that stubbornness. Uh, you know, usually stubbornness is not a good quality, but in this case it is stubbornness that we're going to just persist and keep going and keep going and I'm not going to quit. At three months, I'm not going to quit. At 16 years, I'm not going to quit. I'm, 
I'm going to be who God has invited me to be and called me to be in this relationship. And I'm just going to keep going. You know, I want you to be stubborn as a step parent. Set a tone for, you know, it's almost like you're saying I recognize. And let's talk about a really difficult situation here. Let's just say a child is completely cold to their step parent. Uh, Maybe doesn't even want to come over, spend time in the home. They're constantly at the other household. Uh, Talk to the hand is their posture, right? I'm not letting you in at all in my heart. That's really hard. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. It's hard. And yet, if you'll just have an attitude that says, but I'm going to remain close enough that if they ever drop their guard, if they ever decide to give me another chance, that I'll be there and we can start again. That sort of persistence, again, I come back to how is God with us? You know, that's who he is. That's That's one of the qualities of God. Hmm. Talking about the six P's of step parenting. When we come back, we'll talk about the sixth one, which is prayer, and a few words about the summit coming up in case you want to attend. Uh, Can't wait for you to hear about that. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. can't get enough of that song. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise, talking to licensed marriage and family therapist Ron Deal about blended families. We've been talking about the six P's of step parenting. So, so many families are blended families. So I'll walk through these quickly. Partner with a biological parent, and he explains how to do that. Uh, pursue the heart of a stepchild. Pace yourself in relation to the stepchild. Patience, take time to build that relationship with the stepchild. Persistence, do not give up. Finally, we're on number six, and that's prayer. Go ahead and say a word if you would. Well, this really should be all six. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it should be at least number one and number six. Yeah, this whole process obviously is bathe it in prayer um, because there's just so many things nobody can prescribe or design. I'm not smart enough to tell the keys for every step parent what they got to do in their situation or any parent for that matter. You're right. Um, we, we've just always got to have a posture where we lean into God and listen and find our strength in him, find our source. We talked about that a minute ago in terms of letting the bullets bounce from stepkids that are, that are not really um, open to you. your your bulletproof vest comes from God. It's that your identity is in him. So even in the face of hard things, you rest in that Um, prayer about wisdom. Do you move forward? Do you not move forward? Just one quick illustration of that is while you're pacing and building a relationship with a child, you got to make decisions about how to do that. Like, you know, the research is interesting. It says children in the first year and a half to two years really don't mind being around a step parent if there's a group of people around. Like if I have another sibling in the room or my dad is in the room, I don't mind my stepmom being there. But as soon as you go one-on-one, you know, step parent, stepchild, just one-on-one, the intensity of that whole experience goes up considerably for both the adult and the child. And that can be awkward. Now, in some situations, it's fine. It's like, hey, we both love football, and immediately we can go and do football, and we can be together one-on-one. 
But in other situations, it's cold, it's hard, it's, it's awkward, you don't have anything to talk about, and you just don't know how to make that leap. Well, you've got to have prayer wrapped around the wisdom of, God, help me know when it's time to stay in the group, and when is it time to try the one-on-one thing again. Last time I tried it, it didn't work. The time before that, it did not work. Is it time now? You know, that's what I mean by there's just so many moment-to-moment decisions we need God directly involved in. There's just no doubt about it. And praying with your spouse, the biological parent, be a team. That's part of partnering. And and praying together for wisdom to know when and how to do those things is just crucial. Wow, very good. Okay, let's talk about the Summit on Step Family Ministry coming up October 26-27, Nashville, Tennessee. Go ahead and tell us about that, Ron. Yeah, Family Life, uh, we're committed to equipping the church to minister to blended families. And then we have an event next spring we do that's actually for couples in blended families, and that's a live stream event that any church can be a part of. But what happens next month in Nashville is a two-day equipping event for church leaders. So when I say church leaders, let me, let me clarify. This high percentage of blended families in the world, in the community, and in churches today means it touches every aspect of church ministry, from senior pastor and his messaging from the pulpit on Sunday to children's pastors who are working with kids who are only in Sunday school every other week or once a month. Like, how do you design and and your youth student programs? How do you design those around teenagers who are back and forth between homes? What are the concerns you need to have in your adult education program? And are you going to have a step family ministry? Do you have premarital counseling for couples getting married with children already in the picture? Every aspect. So we have people come from senior pastors on staff all the way down to lay couples who are learning how to lead a step family small group in their church. They're a step family couple and they just want to help other couples. That's what this two day event in Nashville is about. Is there a website? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So people can go specifically to summit on stepfamilies.com summit on stepfamilies.com for that event. They can always go to familylife.com and just click blended family familylife.com where we've got articles and resources and, you know, all kinds of stuff that people would be interested in. Very good. Well, speaking of your website and some very interesting articles, just for some bonus material here with the last few minutes we've got together, I love this article, 10 Things to Know Before You Remarry. Um, This first one, wait two or three years following a divorce or death of spouse before seriously dating. Two or three years. And some might gasp, but I think that might save others some significant trouble. So speak to that if you would. Well, you know, this rebound thing, it's real. Yeah, you know, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, when you were in seventh grade, it was real. And when you were a senior in high school and your girlfriend broke up with you and you found another girl on the rebound, you know, and it was a bad choice. It, it's real. And people do that at 25 and 35 and 85 years of age. They rebound into another relationship. Why? Because they're sad, because they're hurting, uh, because they don't want to feel that anymore. And, and, and somebody who takes interest in you pulls you out of the pit of your pain. But that's a lousy reason to get into a new relationship, because eventually the reality of that relationship will show itself. And you just, if you take time to heal and give yourself some space, you will make better choices about the next relationship. And it just does take time to heal. I mean, I've heard stories of folks who got married within a year, even less than a year after a spouse has died, 
and then their grief for their first spouse comes two years into the marriage because they yeah. postponed it. And then the, the new spouse is like, I don't even know what to do with this. You can see how that would create all kinds of trouble. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Date two years before you decide to marry and date your future spouse's children before the wedding. <laughs> Say more. You know, I, I wrote a whole book on that subject right there uh, called Dating and the Single Parent. And it's really about how to date well when children are involved, either you have them or the other, or you both do, and how to include the children in the, in the process. Like, what are you looking for to know whether this is getting married is a good thing for the kids? And how would you do that? And how do you bring them along with you, so to speak, in terms of them dating the potential step parent and the future potential step siblings? And like, how do you make decisions around that? I, I just think it's a complicated process. It's not just about two adults falling in love. It's about that's that's coupleness, but coupleness does not equal familyness. And that's what a blended family is, is a familyness issue. And so um, taking time to date and consider the children, include them in the process is something people need to be mindful of. So when you think about this dating, kind of the children too, before actually saying I do. So there are plenty of stories of lots of conflict up front when you decide to marry and you've got a blended family all of a sudden. Are there any definite warning flares where you say, okay, it's going to be hard for anybody, but in this situation, this is the tipping point. This is the game changer. What I'm seeing with these kids is indication that I need to not go forward with this. There's a couple of chapters in that book, Dating in the Single Parent, that are about yellow flag or yellow lights, you know, a caution but proceed, and red lights, like slow down, definitely no. And some of those, you know, yellows and reds are have to do with the personality of the individual that you're dating, but some of it has to do with the context and what comes with it. Like, like here's one that most people don't even really think about. Like if, if you're dating a person and they have an ex-spouse who is crazy, all right, and that's a clinical term, by the way, crazy, you know, and you are marrying yourself to that. And most people just don't really go, no, that's, that's just his ex. That's not really part of our life. Oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Like if he has children with her, they are forever in relationship. And those kids are forever connected to their biological mother. And if you're the stepmom in that situation, you got to know going in that that's going to bring some stress conflict into your life. Don't be naive. You still may choose that. You know, that's your call. But don't go in naive because then you go, what have I done? Right. And that's the kind of thing we help people understand and uh, explore in terms of what they can do and what they can't do about it. Boy, slower is better. Definitely. Well, we're going to pause and pray here, but I want to just say thank you so much, Ron, for given us this time today and sharing your wisdom. Would you pray for that person listening today who's right in the midst of the blended family struggles? Just that God will give them a vision to think long and help them along the way. Would you pray for that person? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Lord God, Lord, we know and trust that you are God of redemption for all your children. And when people find themselves in tough situations and making Uh, complex decisions about relationships and involve them or their children or what have you, would you give them wisdom? Would you be with them? Would you walk beside them and remind them that you care deeply about what it is that's going on in their life and that you have not abandoned them, that you are with them? We thank you, God, for that and praise you for your continual pursuit of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Mm. Amen. 
Amen. Ron, thank you for all you do. We sure appreciate you, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Appreciate you. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You've been listening to Live the Promise. I'm Susie Larson. In just a bit, you'll find a podcast of today's program up on our website at myfaithradio.com. And remember this, the Lord wants you to last long and finish strong. He's the one who'll keep you strong to the end. Have a great day.